Would you pray with us? Father God, I want to just come before you and ask you, Lord God, to move in this place. I thank you for the evidence of your spirit already. But God, we need you to speak to our heart. We, like the psalmist of old, cry out and say, help, Lord. We don't have anything without you, but in you, through you, and of you is the power of God. Reveal yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Brother Henry for allowing us this opportunity to come and to be with y'all. Several months ago, I had booked a meeting for today uh, in Buena Vista, Virginia. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sister Linda had to go into the hospital. Y'all are aware of that. Thank you for your prayers. It was during that week that the pastor called and said things had changed a little bit and he wanted to postpone the meeting. I called him this morning before I came to church here. Uh, it is 12 degrees. They've had snow on the ground for over a week. The uh, church pretty much is closed down. And he was so thankful that he had changed that meeting. Uh, Brother Henry called last Monday. said, I've been praying and I feel like God have you to fill the pulpit. I cannot tell you what an honor it is to stand before you today. First, because of who you are, your river of life. And if you don't go and travel and visit other churches, you may have the mistaken idea that it's like this everywhere you go. But I can tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt, it's not. You're a special people, and I just thank God for you. And then for our pastor, thank God for him. Amen? And for the others that are there on staff, Brother Chuck, Brother, Sister Lori, Brother Derek, Brother Al, uh, Brother Blackie. He was here a minute ago. He, he, oh, okay. I've wrestled all week with a sermon for this morning, and I'll not be long, I promise you. I'll do like uh, one of the famous movie stars told her fifth husband, I won't keep you long. <laughs> but if today were my last day to ever preach the gospel, and it may very well be, I want to go out as I came in, in December of 1975. I only had one sermon then, and it was based upon what had happened to me. I had been saved. God, by his marvelous grace, had reached down into the gutter of sin and delivered a dead man. Little is given to this fact in our fast-paced world. But it still rings true. One out of every one person that dies without Jesus dies and goes to a devil's hell and will spend an eternity in torment. The writer of Hebrews spoke of salvation and he said, it is so great a salvation. And we've used that word great in our day in our society so much and so loosely that we have almost lost its meaning. I was reading an article the other day entitled, Great Things About Getting Old. And here are a few of the things the writer listed. 
He said it's great getting old because finally your investment in health insurance is beginning to pay off. <laughs> it's great getting old because your secrets are safe with your friends. None of them can remember them. It's great getting old because the things that you now buy will never wear out in your lifetime. It's great getting old because there's nothing else to learn the hard way. Maybe not. It's great getting old because your joints are more accurate than the National Weather Service. <laughs> I'm not really sure there's anything about getting old that, I, that I'm really in love with, just to be honest about it. When we get to that place where your get up and go is got up and went and you're not sure where it went, <laughs> there's nothing great about that. However, when it comes to salvation, God does not use that word great loosely. Salvation is indeed great and everything about it is great. You'll find our scripture this morning in the last book of your Bible. There are 66 books in your Bible, 1,189 chapters. And we'll turn to the very last chapter, the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelation. We're going to be looking at one verse this morning. And in the midst of this verse, one word. Revelation chapter 22, and verse number 17. And the Spirit... And the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. This one word, come, appearing three times in this verse, may very well be the most important word in all of the word of God. For it encompasses the great plan of God for fallen man. God has done it all. Come. It was Joseph Hart who wrote the words, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Why is it so important? That you would come today. I believe it is important because of all that is written before this in the book of the Revelation. It is here that God pulls back the veil of time and he reveals for all of mankind the future that is to come. In chapter number 4 and verse number 1, I believe it's the rapture of the church. There are others who would not believe. They have their right to be wrong. For it is here that John the Revelator says that he hears a voice from heaven. And he's called up into the very presence of God himself. And it's there he sees the four and twenty elders seated upon thrones. It is there that they worship God. Like we were worshiping here a while ago. This is but a foretaste of that one day when we'll get to see him seated upon the throne. And we'll worship him. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. You are, you are, you are to come. You're the great God of glory. I believe it's important that John put it here in the 22nd chapter. 
Because beginning in chapter number 6 and going all the way through chapter number 18, there's the great judgment of God upon this earth. There'll be six seals that will be broken, six trumpets that'll sound, six vials, according to Revelation chapter 16, of the judgment of the wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon this earth. It's important that you come because Jesus is coming back. Revelation 1, 7, and then again in Revelation 19, they speak of that day when he's going to come across the heavens. He's going to be riding across the Milky Way on a great white horse. And all of the hosts of heaven are going to be following him who has a vesture dipped in blood upon his thigh, name written. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's my Lord. And he's coming to set up his kingdom. Come. Come before he comes. It's important that you come before Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11 and following. Where it is there, the word of God says that John the Revelator saw a great white throne. And he who sat upon it from whose faith the earth and the heavens fled away and there was found no place for them. And the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. Another book which is called the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was taken and cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So this is the second death. Come. Come before that, before that day. Come before Revelation 21 and 22 when we're told about that eternal home that God has prepared, that God purchased for us by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want to miss this. Prepared as a bride adorned for her wedding. Oh, praise God. Come. Come. Notice, if you will, that the call is simple. No Greek theological depth to my sermon today. Yet if one were to examine this verse closely, it would befuddle the mind of man to think that a thrice holy God would invite any man to come to him. Notice that, if you will, that the, the call comes first from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit says, come. Jesus told his disciples in John's Gospel, the chapter, he said, if I go not away, the Spirit will not come unto you. But when he has come, he will reprove, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Of, of sin because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. In fact, the word of God says in Romans chapter number 3 that none of us were seeking after God. That God came looking for us. Sin. Sin known. Sin hidden. All men see. But then he says also that he comes and he, he reproves the world of righteousness. Not man's righteous. There's none righteous. No, not one. It's the righteousness of a holy God. It's not the, the example of Pastor Henry or, or Brother Bill or Brother Blackie that one must live up to. It is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Righteous in all that he was. Pure in all of his thoughts. Tempted in all ways such as we are, yet without sin. And the Holy Ghost of God holds us up against that. 
And the word of God says he comes to reprove, to convict of sin and of righteousness. And God help us of judgment to come. As you read the book of the Revelation, you come face to face with the judgment that God has prepared for a Christ-rejecting world. And so the scripture says that the Spirit says, come. But there's more. The Bible goes further and says that it is also the bride that beckons, come. Who is this, this bride that it is talking about? It is talking about those who have already accepted the, the, the offer of salvation provided in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are those who have been saved and they want others to be saved. All of those who've come by the blood cry, come. I never met anyone who said they were sorry that they got saved. I've been in this a long time. Seen a lot of people. You'd think probably there'd be that one oddball. But no one has ever said, I'm sorry I got saved. It is the call that is placed upon every born-again child of God. You, sir. You, ma'am. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The word of God says, as Christ was in the world, reconciling the world unto himself, he hath committed unto you that same word of reconciliation. So that now you are ambassadors for Christ. You, sir, you, ma'am, are to be winning people to Jesus Christ. And all of your activity, and all that you're doing, and all of the places that you're going, and all of the things that you're involved in, and all of the particulars of your life. Are you fulfilling the commission that God has placed upon all of those who are saved? It's a simple one. Just tell other people what God has done for you. And yet, according to statistics, over 90% of the church, those who claim to be saved, have never led one person to Jesus Christ. Notice, if you will, that it is a call that speaks to the very heart of the church itself. Our life is not in our promotions. Our life is not in the personalities who fill the pulpit. It is not in our programs. The life of a church is in the Spirit of God living within that church, shining its light, telling the world there's something better, there's something more. C.T. Studd, the great preacher, said, Some want to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And I say, yes. Yes. Let the Spirit and the bride say, come.
Notice, if you will, that it is a call that is issued to those who are thirsty. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst. I believe that God has designed and placed in all men a thirst that can only be quenched by him. That great thing that you search after day after day will be found in him. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's everything that you'll ever need. He can satisfy the greatest desire of your life. But you must come thirsty. And notice, if you will, the verse continues. And let whosoever will. (laughs) Why does he say that? Because some won't. You could. You could come, but, but there's some who won't. There are three times that the Gospels refer to a young rich man. The first time he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and he falls at his knee. He's thirsty. He cries out and said, Master, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus gives him the particulars and The Bible says the man arose and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. The second time, the the Bible speaks of a rich man. I believe they're all three the same, but we're not told that in Scripture. But the second time, he speaks of the rich man. The Bible says that the fields of a certain man brought forth plenteous, plenteous. God had blessed him beyond measure. There's no room to put all the crop that he was about to reap. And he's thinking with himself as he lies upon his bed at night, what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of tomorrow? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear my barns down. I'll build bigger barns and, and I'll lay up all that God has given me and, and I'll take my ease. And when I'm old, I, I'll sit back and retire (laughs) and yet the word of God says that very evening the angel of the Lord knocked upon his heart's door and said thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee no plan for the future no promise for tomorrow the word of God says that, that, that time is a fleeting thing It's a vapor that appeareth for a short while and then soon vanisheth away. Job said, my days are faster than a weaver's shuttle. David said that there is but one step between me and death. In a moment, in a second, I have a dear pastor friend. He and I have been friends since the days when I had hair. He's lying in a hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina this morning. He had a massive heart attack on Friday. He had just finished preparing his sermon for Sunday morning. And his wife says that there's probably no hope. Machines are keeping his heart beating. They're breathing for him. And he's lying there while his church prays for him. And dear friend, you are not guaranteed that you'll even make it to the restaurant when this service is over. Don't boast yourself of tomorrow. The third time that this rich young man is mentioned, I believe the same man, is in Luke's Gospel, the 16th chapter. 
the word of God says the rich man died. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. He seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, would you, would you send Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and come and, and, and just put one drop upon my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. How very thirsty he is. Come. Come, you who are thirsty, come now. It is a call that has no hidden clauses. It's not one of those things that you come do this and I'll do that for you. It's not a, not a if you will, I will. Here's the word of God. Let he who is thirsty come, and whosoever will, and let him take of the water of life freely. No cost involved. Preacher, I'm, I'm going to get straight. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. <laughs> I, I know what I've been doing is wrong, but I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to get right with God. You wait and see, preacher. I'll show you. No. No, you come and partake of the water of life freely. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, Paul the apostle wrote it this way, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's not within your keeping, not of yourself, at least any man should boast, not of works. Oh, no, people say, well, you know, if you just knock on enough doors, if you pass out enough tracts, if you, if you attend Sunday school so many years, my, my son-in-law, bless his heart, he, he, I don't know if he's preaching this morning or not. He is a preacher. I remember when he first started, I was wondering. But he's a preacher now. He said in the class I was teaching one night about how to be saved. At the end of that class, he came to me. He said, Brother Bill, he said, I, I got a problem. I said, what's that? He said, if what you taught tonight was the Bible, I've never been saved. He had a 20-year Sunday school pen for 20 years. Never missed Sunday school. Even on vacation, his mom and dad made sure he was in Sunday school. I hit the pen. And he would award that pen straight into hell. Had the grace of an almighty God not broken upon his heart. Come! Why? Because some are not coming. D.L. Moody said salvation is worth working for. It's the worth of a man's going around the world on his hands and his knees. Climbing its mountains, crossing its valleys, swimming its rivers, going through all manner of hardship in order to obtain it. But we do not get into heaven that way. It is only for he who believes. Anyone, every face of every race and every place needs God's grace. 
in the closing word of the closing book of the Bible, we have this great invitation. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. I'm so glad that the word whosoever included Bill Jenkins. I'm so glad that it included Linda Jenkins. I'm so glad that it included you. You can come. and You can take of the water of life freely this morning. Joseph Sleeper wrote it this way. Out of bondage, sorrow and night. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness and light. Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health. Out of my want, into thy wealth. Out of my sin, into thyself. Jesus. I come to thee.